I'm recording on the corner of That's this so week, Raven. Sorry. This ahead. week on Movie Time Machine, a wealthy New York City investment banker executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent, hedonistic fantasies. This is American Psycho. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, your retro movie review podcast where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie, American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron. I'm your... <laughs> it's just that name. Mary, Mary Heron. Mary Heron. Mary Heron. I'm your Mary Time Heron. Machine host, Chad, and let me introduce you to my co-host this week. First, he's our living encyclopedia of movie knowledge and NES cart collector. It's James. American Psycho is a video game I would definitely like to try to play and beat. <laughs> it's like that game uh, where you play the guy in the hockey mask. He looks like Jason and you just slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Uh, <laughs> well, I like to think that also it'd be like a little bit of like Final Fantasy one. He like he goes to uh, one of the restaurants and then asks questions and like you have yeah. to answer them correctly. <laughs> right. If you get them all right, you get a map to the location of like the master sword. Oh, absolutely. The master chainsaw. Yeah, master chainsaw. <laughs> 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 He's our haggard looking, 80s loving, viral video watching guru. It's Casey. You're a killer patty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the sports reporter of the podcast, host of the music. Nope, not music. Host of the Midwest Mountain Sports Report podcast, that's Jamie. Hey, Paul, try getting a reservation at Dorcia now, you bastard. Do that a little bit off mic because you're really hot on that one. But it sounded well, awesome. Patrick came in hot. <laughs> Patrick came. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this week's movie is American Psycho, um, released on April 14th, 2000, at a budget of $7 million, box office of $34.3 million. But before we go deeper into the film, I want to do something new this week. I want to do something I want to call a question of the week. Maybe I'll call it something something different in the future, but uh, just kind of like a little icebreaker um, to kind of change up the pod. So, guys, this week I put it on the chat. And this week's subtopic is when I find it, my phone just froze. Up. All right, Chad. Okay. Chad, what's the QTOW? QTOW? Question Quick of the week. Time. Oh, Question oh. of the week. Oh, QOTW. QOTW. Question of the week. Week, 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 <laughs> week, week. All right. So actually today I was just kind of scrolling through my Twitter feed, seeing some things that were trending, and I noticed that there's uh, like a, a, a call out there um for the release of the David Ayer cut of the first Suicide Squad movie and everyone's saying about how awesome uh god what's his face that played the Joker um he's in this film Jared, Jared Leto Jared Leto is yeah anyway apparently there's this awesome cut that is unreleased and people are crying for it so with this and the latest release of the Snyder Cut, which just came out, was 
this last spring or summer. Um, is this a new trend that we're going to start seeing in film? So I wanted to kind of have this as our little topic before we get into our movie of the week. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on this, guys? Well, oh, I, I would just, like to just point in a little piece. To- <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it is very curious to me that both films mentioned are DC films that were not necessarily received as well as the Marvel films. I just want to point that out from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the So the Snyder Cut was the cut of the Justice League movie, which did not do very well. And <laughs> they released a cut of it that I guess was fairly different and a little bit longer than the original. Looks like they added a bunch of CGI stuff. Um, I guess some people like that. I, don't, I haven't watched it. Uh, DC stuff doesn't really entertain me, but... Um, there's also there rumors of a four hour Rise of Skywalker cut oh. as well. The Abrams cut. So I'm Which just is, that's that's interesting when you said that like that. I mean, I feel like wouldn't Disney have loved that or they liked the idea. They couldn't justify doing like a Twilight part one and part two style of their last right. movie. Yeah. But I think <clears throat> everybody would. I mean, for more money for Disney, I feel like they're all going to be about making sure that this does get released if it's true. Um, I know with the Snyder cut, a lot of reshoots and money went in, maybe some reshoots. I guess I don't know if uh, reshoots happened with the newest one or if you finish all the footage before uh, uh, Snyder went out. But it's a, to- it's a whole different movie. If anybody watched it um, from Justice League to um, the four hour Justice League Snyder cut, it's a completely different movie. And I loved it. It didn't feel like four hours to me. Um, mm. It's visually really amazing. Um, to watch and it's just interesting to see like Joss Whedon I believe was the one who came in uh, the guy who did Avengers um, and, and Buffy and all that and he finished the footage like to make Justice League happen for the theaters and it's interesting to see he saw the footage and the vision and goes no 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 I like this way better and it, it, it's intriguing to me of like seeing two different directors visions on a, one project mm, um, yeah and and just seeing what can happen um, I think I said in, in one of our casts before, I love the idea of even releasing two of the same, like, like here are the, here are two scripts. Let's give it to director a and director B and then, and just see what they come up with and, and release them in similar timing or, or, you know, let's say three <clears throat> months apart from each other, just to see how that looks. Uh, I just always right. thought that would be kind of cool. You know, I, I just thought about this question, you know, a few hours before we started record- recording, I threw this out to you guys. But now I think about it, is this is th- is this just like a relabeling of like the. The directors, the direct, <laughs> I can't talk the director's cut, or it just makes me think of um, Blade Runner. All of a sudden, there's like three well different cuts of that, but they're pretty much the same movie. It doesn't really change like Blade like, Runner, Blade Runner, director's cut, extended director's cut. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's some things with like one has like the Harrison Ford, like um kind of narrative voice on it, which like the original didn't. Mm. Um, but here with like the Snyder cut and then it sounds like with the um, air cut, like these are making it like almost completely different films. So maybe well, this is a new trend. I would disagree specifically on Blade Runner because those are different movies. I mean, one cut you know, you could argue that Deckard's a replicant and the other cut, you could say pretty, def- pretty definitively that he's not. 
So I think that's a weird case. I, I do think it changes the ending. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know Casey wanted to jump in here, so I'll cede the floor. Well, I, I guess Blade Runner kind of ruins my theory because I was going to say the, the real trend between all of this is people making films from like existing fandom media, right? These are all comics or or, you know, something like that. They're beloved characters already or a beloved universe. And so the problem is, I think it's exactly what uh, I think Jamie said. It's when, you know, you have high expectations for these characters you like and what comes out kind of sucks and then people get all pissy about it. And so then they go try to salvage the things that they tried to chop. When in reality, they just try to chop it to make this like manufactured Hollywood thing. And all you need to do to feed the fans is just give them more cool shit. And so if you this there, I think the only reason people like the Snyder recut, and I guess you can't quote me because I haven't watched it either. I'm not really a, a, a fan of that universe as much either. Um, but like it, it just gave them more. Right. And I think that just made them go, OK, cool. Well, that's enough. I guess that's enough cool stuff. Right. I don't think it made the film that much better. Um, but I think you're going to see that a lot in in something like this where it's adapted from comic books or from characters that people have expectations for um and if if those things don't come out perfect uh, i think blade runner might be an example and i guess there are other like director's cuts so i suppose there are times where a, a director just thinks or has a different vision that a studio wasn't gonna let them do but i don't know if we you see that a ton anymore a lot of film now is either you know indie films where people are doing it on their own dime or you know netflix will just throw money at anyone to make a movie i don't think they're that like involved in a lot of those creative processes. Cause I've seen some of those movies, man, they're only okay. Um, so I don't know. That's mm. my thoughts. I'm just rambling now. I think with the, like, I think you're dead on with the idea of it's already um, content. Like we're getting it's movies that are already content from somewhere else, like, or already have like a fan base, like a star Wars or like DC comics um, where people are bought in and what, and are going to pay to see, the slightly different version um, where I could see it going two ways. One is they know they're going to make an extended cut. Like, so if for like, let's just say, you know, like a Batman movie, they do the theatrical release, call it good. And then we just know six months after the DVD Blu-ray come out, they're going to release the director's cut version. And they're just going to start doing it that more often where it's, you know, that, three minutes of footage that we really didn't miss. It's just a couple deleted scenes that were in the special features added back in. Um, or the, what would be cool is if there is truly like an Abrams cut star Wars and like, it's like Abrams approved, you know what I mean? Like something like where the director backs this cut and it's very clear. It's not just a couple minutes of deleted scenes. It's like full fledged storyline, slightly changing or um, just adding context to quite a few things. Uh, but I don't see something like all of a sudden saving private Ryan, you know, director's cut. Like, I just don't foresee that kind of thing happening. Uh, but it seems like even with, uh, I remember, I think it was an Oliver Stone movie. Was it Alexander? The one with like Colin Farrell or something like that. But like, I just remember a couple years ago, all of a sudden the director's cut came out for that. And in my head, I was thinking who was asking for that? No one that I'm aware of. And that's, I mean, but that's a movie I haven't seen. Maybe it's, really phenomenal but i just don't remember being critically uh acclaimed or anything like that so it's interesting you know, what's coming up i'm really excited uh i heard the director's cut of harold and kumar go to white castles coming out later this year um so i'm really excited right. for that they go to mcdonald's instead 
<laughs> Whoa. It's a whole different movie. Whole different movie. The better part is, like, as a spoof for these director's cuts, you could see those two guys coming back and just green screening it in, and I would still watch it. It would probably be pretty funny. <laughs> yep, yep. And Chad's folding laundry. So I think this happened, though, with Zack Snyder. This has happened before. Granted, Justice League was a little different. He had to leave that project um, for pretty tragic reasons. So I think in that case, it actually is kind of cool. He got to come back and finish it. But did anyone see Watchmen? I never saw that, but I knew that there was some controversy because I don't think the film ended the way that the graphic novel did. God, I've seen Watchmen and I own the graphic novel. And I don't remember how the movie ends. I I think it's, yeah, I think it's different. Like I said, haven't seen the movie, but I believe there's a Zack Snyder cut with a different ending. I don't know. I might be wrong. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I remember that controversy of that, that film ending compared to the graphic novel. But, but sometimes, James, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead James. I was just going to say, Jamie, you're, I, but you're dead on with the, idea that Snyder left under extreme circumstances and tragic circumstances where it was awesome that Warner brother like welcomed him back with this idea or whoever's idea it was, I guess it was a fan pushed idea uh, where he was able to finish his vision. Cause after seeing his vision, I want to see the next movie that might not ever come out um, where I didn't feel that way with justice league. Um, so that's really cool that he was able to finish what he started with that. Um, Cause not everybody else is like that. Everybody else is a, it's a, studio-based opinion like they saw cuts like i think i uh texted earlier about the fantastic four i remember that that director was so mad about how the studio uh wanted to edit that movie and they had too much opinion on it that like he just completely uh like torpedoed that movie like the day before it released on Twitter. And like, and I think in turn sales did bad because there was just all this controversy in the media about it. Sorry. Sorry, Chad. I took over next. That's fine. (laughs) No, great topics. Great conversation. Um, but I was going to say, I just had a thought on the Watchmen movie ending compared to the graphic novel, like that kind of stuff. I don't mind as much. Um, especially if you know the outcome of come of one, I feel like when you watch like a film version of it, like it's nice to have something that's something that is subverting your expectations in a way. So it's not exactly a one-to-one, but yeah, I don't really remember how that was ending was compared to the graphic novel though. I have to go back and watch that. I have to see too, if there's that different cut of the film too, because I know that's still on um, HBO max, I believe. Yeah, Watchmen's on HBO Max. After I just watched the Watchmen TV series a few weeks ago, and um, yeah, it's definitely made me want to revisit the movie. Uh, I just haven't yet. Yeah. All right, you guys want to move on to the topic of the week? Tope, 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 tope. tope. I'll take yes. the silence as a yes. <laughs> All right, this week's is American Psycho. Um, gave you the box office numbers already. Let's do ratings and reviews quick. Um, IMDb has a 7.6 out of 10 Metacritic has a 64% average and Rotten Tomatoes has a critic of 65% and 85% audience score. Um, for me, this is the first time I've seen this film 
It's kind of been nice. <laughs> yeah. Has Ooh, everyone else seen it? Hold on. Who else? Yeah, I've seen it a ton. Okay. I I'm not convinced I saw it all the way through because I didn't remember this movie at all except for like one scene, which leads me to believe I'd only seen that one scene from clips. <laughs> the Susudio scene? Uh when he had his rain jacket on and he's da- yep, like walk yep. dancing. Yeah. That's that's the scene I I'm like, okay, I remember this. Don't remember anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's pretty much what it is then. <laughs> no, I yeah, like this- Casey. I've seen this a ton. All right, cool. Yeah, going into this, I was I think I was reading like the genre or something like that description of the film and I saw like dark comedy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then as it like yeah, it's more dark <laughs> than comedy. <laughs> the oh, dark yeah. comedy part, but so I didn't really know what to expect, but I was I kind of just went in with no expectations and I really like this movie. <laughs> this awesome. is really good. Um I like that it kind of has at least for me anyway, this ending of, you know, of did all this really happen? Was this all kind of in his head? Is this somebody that has like some kind of personality disorder? Um, I really like the uh, the time period of it. You know, it's like the 80s. Everything is like <laughs> super yuppie, you know, like mm-hmm. just like total like yuppie douchebag. Um, that kind of stuff always just makes me feel really uncomfortable. And it just really feels like that that and like the the character of uh bateman and everything that goes on it's just yeah it kind of just was oddly a fun movie to watch because it was yeah it just kind of blew me away and it came out in the year 2000 i believe so and it was a i mean seven million dollars is kind of a, a smaller budget i feel like for a film even though it has a actually a pretty great cast as well um, Chad, did like, you see any of this storyline? Like, were you predicting certain things, or was it just catching you for a loop most times? I was just along for the ride. Like, I wasn't. <laughs> there was when I'm trying to think when the moment was. I was like, okay, maybe this isn't really happening. Is the part where um, he kind of starts going nuts and he just starts shooting the ATM people. with the feed me a cat? Yeah, but is it? Is that before or after where he's like having like the gunfight with the cops? That's and when like it he starts. Sh- that's when it starts. That's like, like the beginning yeah. of all so of like that. When it he shoots the cop car cat, and like the cop car explodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, this is like, this is. That's the way it's a dark comedy. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I like, yeah, that part. And then the part before where he goes through like the spinning door and then goes back through, <laughs> yeah. shoots yes, the guard just- and then goes back out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's where I like, you're right. It's the, it's the cat when he has the gun to the cat and you're like, Oh, like first you think he's going to step on it. And you're like, please no. Like you, this movie already got ruined from the dog scene. And then all of a sudden he puts the gun to the cat, which is oddly way more funny than (laughs) stepping on it. But then he shoots the lady and then I'm like, what is happening? And then when that door scene happened, that's when I was like, okay, this is like a dream. And then everything else fell into place. (laughs) So, um, do you, I, that's the thing is like, I think this, I don't think that all this is actually really happening, but from what I've read, that wasn't the way like the film was like made or like any of the attention, the intention of the film to be like, um, or part of the story, I guess from, there's one interview I saw with, um, the director where they were yeah, trying to get yeah, to that point, that but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> 
I think she straight up said in that interview, she said, I, I wished it would have been a little more ambiguous. I wish I didn't make it like such a, a hard line, you know, one way or the other at all. And I, yeah. and it's funny that she says that because I still don't like, there's so many what ifs like, you know, the, the dude, who knows with the way that people mistake one another and the, the, you know, Patrick talking about how, you know, him and this dude go to the same barber. They wear the same suits. They have the same glasses. Like everyone has the same definition of success. So like mistaking people is common. So how does this dude know that he actually was having dinner with Paul Allen in London? Like maybe mm-hmm. that didn't happen. And I'm not, and you know, I think that whole point is that dude was to try to, you know, throw throw some doubt on him you know make you think it's all kind of a dream but at the same time you know who knows the the amount of times that patrick himself was mistaken as other people throughout the film yeah um not just that like halverston guy but i think he got called at least one or two other people um and then people even gossiped about him to him you know that's how you know flippant everyone is and, and they're all the same and they don't understand who is who anyways so like who knows maybe he did kill that guy or he killed someone else and thought that was uh you know thought he thought that was, that was him yeah thought that was Paul Allen Paul Allen yeah, yeah. well and even too. even in that scene that's that's why this movie is so good I've seen this movie so many times but I, like you still find new stuff every time so when they're doing the business card thing and he talks to Paul Allen and he thinks he's Marcus Halberstrom and he looks at Halberstrom. And then Halberstrom sits down, and I think it's Van Patten because he throws his business card down on the table. I was like, wait, that's the same actor that they said was Marcus Halberstrom, I think, unless I'm wrong. But I think they did that Mm. on purpose just to continue to drive that point home. And they they put a fine point on it when uh, Kimball's first interview with Patrick in his office, and he's just staring him in the face, and he's talking about how people just disappear. And I think he means like into this you know, wealthy elite New York City stockbroker life and, you know, murdering people at the same time. I, I, you know, they really play around with it and it's super clever. Right. Like maybe it's, um, what am I trying to say here? Like some sort of, uh, like what, allegory or <laughs> to like these just businessmen and like how, like, they're not actually killing people, but they're just kind of so destructive and like they have no clue about like whatever they're leaving in their wake. They're just so narcissistic, <laughs> like they don't really like pick up on anything else around them. They're just kind of bulldozing through everything. But yeah, I don't know. Like there's this things, little things I picked up. I, just, I try to watch it a second time because I knew that there might be some things in there that I would see on a second watch. And I only got like a quarter of the way through, but I did get to the part where they um he takes it's like his one of his peers or whatever takes like his wife out to dinner to like dorcia in quotes it's the it's the girlfriend of the the dude that then he like mistakenly hits on and is a muscular choke that's yes, his girl right yeah yeah, yeah. He, so he says that he he made reservations at dorcia but when he's there he lifts up the me- the menu and on the menu it says Somewhere arcadia else. yeah yeah well, and she was like on what are they say lithium or whatever? Yeah, like, she was just like a like a floating corpse the most of the movie it seemed like where she was just completely out of it. So I don't know. I think it's interesting that all of them could do. I think it's just like you said, like all of them could intertwine between everybody's job. Like you never saw anybody actually working. They just suggest that they work on Wall Street or even the suggestion that like his dad owns the company or whatever it was. Um, 
And so he's got a higher up job where he doesn't actually do anything. You don't really meet the boss. It's just all of these douchebags in a room that, yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Even the common joke about um, they did it a couple times with like, oh, his girlfriend is sleeping with his other friend, but they think we don't know. And I'm sleeping with this dude's wife or fiance. Yeah. Um, but that dude's really potentially gay. And he's already and you see him cheating on or going on dates with other women as well. It's like they're it's like they're all intertwined in this like joke of, oh, like, who cares? Like, we just won't talk about it. Right. I don't know. So, yeah, I Casey, I kind of like that idea. I think that you threw out there that like it'd be quite easy to mix any of them up if they weren't actually like if it wasn't their friends, if it was just a bystander trying to be like, oh, yeah, it was this guy in a lineup. There'd be no way they could pick him out. Right. I mean, it's hard to actually imagine that. You know, he had that whole apartment full of dead bodies and then magically they're, they're gone. So I think they're like, clearly they're showing that some of what we saw was was fiction. But who's to say he didn't stab the homeless person? Who's to say he didn't ax someone he thought was Paul Allen? And then he mm-hmm. said he it was dissolving in a bathtub somewhere, you know, so maybe that he didn't bring that necessarily back to that apartment. So he could have actually killed someone and put it in the trunk of that car or whatever. You know, some of those things. Where did you get that like, overnight you know, bag? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is that that's the one where he's he, that's Paul yep. Allen that's supposed to be in that yep. bag, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, and so. he's like dragging it, and there's like a trail of blood, but <laughs> the the security guard is just like, hey, whatever. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure the security guard like. I mean, it's a good point. Like, like, yeah, sure. There's blood everywhere, so there's that. Like, where there should be some concern, but maybe to that guy, it's like they kill people every day by stealing their money or whatever that right. looks like. Like. <laughs> Like, what's one more deadbeat? I saw who he went up with. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, the only person where we get um, maybe some truth, like maybe this is actually happening, is Jean, right? That's uh, Chloe Sevigny's name, where she is like going through his yep. uh, little black book or whatever. Mm, yeah. I think that's the only moment where it's like, oh, shit, this might actually be happening. Because even Kimball, even Defoe, who's interviewing him, you know, kind of lets him off the hook. He's like, Paul Allen was spotted in London. So. Sure, but well, but I, think the, I I thought about showing... that too. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I thought about that too with uh, when he had the nail gun behind her head, and it, and that not coming to light. I was thinking, I'm like, would that have been his first actual kill if that happened? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even actually consider that. I think um, I was just gonna say the notebook was. I I think just a, a clue to just say, yeah, he's definitely insane the insanity isn't uh, made up like he's totally nuts um but i guess i still don't know if there's any hard evidence either way if to as if to any of those actual murders happened yeah there's even like the the scene where i think it's one of like the first scenes where he's in the restaurant with um i can't remember the woman's name but he's like drawing the it's right after yeah. the chainsaw yep. scene. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon? Like, y- yes, yeah. It is. Oh, yeah, okay. It is Reese Witherspoon that scene. But, like, yeah, he's drawing, like, the chainsaw <laughs> in the back of that woman. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, like... And then he also... He has those moments, too, where he's, like, saying that I have, like, this urge why I just need to go out and murder somebody, or I can't remember exactly. Or he said right. it to the bartender he, behind her back. He was like, I want to cut your throat and play in your blood. Like, yeah. a super... Gross. It was the other girl in the club when he's like, I'm in uh, murders and executions. Oh, you're in murders and acquisitions? (laughs) Which is super clever line, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Um, Also, yeah, he's like wicked good at 
crossword puzzles. Um, bone, bone, bone meat. Bone, bone, <laughs> bone. <laughs> I wonder if that too is like he actually was writing in the correct answers to that crossword puzzles, but it's kind of like you know, like in the cartoons when somebody is like hungry and they look at the you know the animal and but they turn or the person and they turn into like a turkey, oh, like sure. a roasted turkey or something like that, where that's just him. He's just all of a sudden he just starts seeing like bone, meat, flesh. I mean, it'd be interesting. His planner, I bet it, Heath was actually writing bone well, meat. Well, I bet so. Yeah. It'd be interesting to go back though to see if they did have like, um, like the clues beforehand, like where it, that did line up like that. And like, <laughs> man, that's weird. Um, and then uh, Chad, you mentioned it earlier as far as like you know this was filmed in two thousands, but it, it was like you like this time period. It, I'm like, it was this was the first time with the music, like the great music behind this soundtrack, where I'm like, man, music is the best part of period pieces like this, where it was made 20 years after the fact, where you could actually really pick and choose what fits the tone the best. Um, so I thought they did a really good job with that. Although it was heavily intertwined in the story too, like he was talking about the actual music, well, which actually came out at those times. And that was the next thing is I'm like, because this is based on a book or a novel. So I'm curious is, are these the actual songs they're talking about? Like, and they were able to get the rights to them or do they just have to play with it the best they could? Whatever they but, can pick up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It was interesting. And it's just funny how yeah excited he was about or passionate he was, I should say, about the music and lyrics and all that. To answer your question, James, I, I've read the book. The, those are the songs and the albums that Brady Sinellis yeah, that talks is, about in the book. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So Wait, what, you read the book? I, I did. I think I read it in high school or early college. And it's well, can it's you a, help can you help us with what happened at the end, or does it not talk about it? It's it's kind of the same. And it's been so long. I mean, it's I, I'd have to reread it, but it's I would say the movie's pretty true to the book. I would say the book talks a lot more about suits, which is pretty funny. Um, just like kind of that monologue. It's it's like 50 pages, I swear to God. And the book is way more brutal. Like the movie's pretty brutal, but the book like really goes there and is really hard to read in some parts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just saw that photo you put. You shared James. I had no idea that uh, Christian Bale played Jesus in a movie. Christian Bale and Pernilla August. Yeah. Mary, mother of Jesus, chosen yeah. by God, inspired by faith, <laughs> compelled by love. With Just looking looking at that and reading those lines, it makes me think like this is a love story between a son and his mother. Well, I mean, that is the type of movie Christian Bale would do. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway. Did anybody see... Did anybody see American Psycho 2, All-American Girl with yes, Mila Kunis? Yes, yes, it was awful. Don't don't watch it. It makes this, it makes you sad. Mila Kunis and William awful. Shatner straight, as Straight to DVD Man. movie. <laughs> yes, it was abysmal. Um, abysmal. I like it because yeah. they don't have, oh, there is somebody named Bateman in this movie, but I like how everybody has first names. Like, it's like, uh, Mila Kunis is Rachel Newman. And then after that, it's William Shatner, Stark Man. This person, Daniels, Brian, Cassandra. This is going to be garbage. It literally has nothing to do with the first one. They're just trying to be like, oh, it's another psychopath trying to get ahead. But this time it's a prestigious university. This is going to be a classic like 2000. Classic 2000 Miramax move. It's bad. It's, it's, and it's bad. It's a lot more like generic bad 
killer movie. Like she's just straight up a murderer. Like she's Jason Voorhees, as opposed to here he's like just a psychopath living in New York. Is it? I think it's a lot more nuanced in the first one because it's like I think the message is trying to send is this dude is just like everyone else, but then he wants to stab you. Like that's how scary the world is sometimes because anyone could just be freaking crazy. I think that's why it's disturbing. Yeah, Mila Kunis was like so pissed about that movie because she was saying that when they were filming it, she had no idea that it was like going to be titled like a, like Psycho 2, like American Psycho 2 is like a sequel. It was like sold oh. to her as like a completely different movie. Oh, God, that's that'd gross. be super frustrating. Oh. <laughs> um, it did... might have been better had it not been called that, honestly. Well, there you go. That's probably might have the impacted truth. my viewing. Um, do you ever feel bad for Christian Bale? Like looking at his physique in this movie in my head, I'm like, man, that must've been convenient to go from this movie to the dark Knight, but that didn't happen at all. Like he did the machinist in the middle of that where he lost, you know, like a hundred pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, God, that guy's body must just hurt. That's insane. Yeah, then didn't he, he put on weight too for, uh, I mean, this wasn't that long ago, but for vice, for Vice, yeah, as well, Dick yeah. Cheney. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So it, it got me thinking. I'm like, man, like, do you think Bale really thinks to himself, like, why couldn't any of these projects come in a very specific order where, like, I could have been my thinnest, worked my way up instead of just having to go fluctuate back and forth? Right. But, man. That's some dedication to the craft, man, because that's. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then the next one I was thinking of, I was like, there was another one in there where he lost a shit ton of weight, and that was The Fighter when he was, like, the meth oh, addict. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. And that was right after Dark Knight. <laughs> like, so I was like, oh, my God. Yo, I always say, though, if my full-time job was to, you know, spend eight hours a day training and going to the gym, I could get fit, too. I just have to work all day. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I could. It's not true. I don't think I really would. <laughs> <laughs> just be the douche. I was like, <laughs> you were, weren't you working from home this past year? You could have been working on the treadmill. Stop it. I'm just kidding. No, you. It's I, I, kinda, I can't I even could, read I on the treadmill. I can't even. I get motion sick on the treadmill. I could do my on the treadmill. Yeah. That'd be fun. The wheels um, start moving. There was a scene in here where the he uses the alias of Cliff Huxtable. Did anybody else notice that? The, for the <laughs> first time, I've seen this movie at least half a dozen times, and I laughed out loud. No, he says I, like <laughs> Cliff Huxtable is on the phone. Yeah, that's what he for lunch. Yeah. Oh my god, I laughed so hard, and then I was trying to think like I was like, is is that supposed to be in there like that, or is that a joke? And then I'm like, no, it has to be. He's doing a Cosby bit. <laughs> I missed that. That's hilarious. Um, and then, uh, another thing I was thinking was, is it just me or is anytime there's like a Christmas scene, like in this movie, they have that like Christmas party they go to. And so I automatically am like, cool. This is now a Christmas just- movie. <laughs> 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 I can watch, I can, I can pick this in my group of like five movies that I want to watch on Christmas day. I'm excited. Awesome. Um, this, this will probably be posting closer to Christmas. So that's awesome. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chad, uh, did you get like a Kubrick esque feel when they were doing like the chainsaw scene when he was like running down the hallway and then following the stairs and that kind of whole like if it is a dream sequence like everything that was happening did you get like a Kubrick feel like I did or I'm oh the only yeah one? totally yeah it was that too I was like he's gonna chase her oh I was like she's actually gonna get away <laughs> I just had that moment of oh my god 
he's not going to drop that chainsaw and like hit her. <laughs> that was like probably <laughs> one of the most hilarious like scenes in that movie or at least kills anyway. And that was before his Batman training. Like that's pretty, right. pretty good. <laughs> um, I also want to start using the line in normal day life saying I have to return some videotapes. Like when I want to leave that's somewhere. Amazing. That. <laughs> <laughs> like just when I get panicked, I think it'd be fun. You know, um, I was, I was thinking parts of the movie too, like when he was saying that, I was like thinking like, oh, his <laughs> is he returning the videotapes that he recorded like that threesome oh. with the prostitutes with? Like <laughs> he keeps renting porn but returning his tapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was like that's also like it's so simple, but one of the best parts of the movie is like he's like you're like, no, he's not fil- he's not making his own movie, is he? Oh, he totally is. And he's staring at himself in the mirror the whole time. Yeah. Like flexing. Like finger it's guns awesome. and oh, so <laughs> good. at himself. <laughs> Just like, yeah, what a character. Just awesome. Uh, that scene, by the way, um, being that we're talking about that, uh, which that's the threesome or whatever, the, the strippers and well, the prostitute and the call girl, the I'm guessing. The first threesome. Yeah. They the MPAA originally gave this an NC-17 rating because of that. So they had to go back and they cut like 18 seconds out of that entire scene to give it an R rating. I think there was like some words too, like he says he originally said, like, go eat her asshole. Oh, and they changed no, it to like, go eat her ass. Yeah, it was like, just, yeah, just go stare at her ass. It. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Then. um I think there was like a fellatio scene too that they had to cut or dial back or something like that. But is anyone Dang. else as big of a Phil Collins fan as I am? I can feel it. Just... Well, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to break out. Like, well, see what you didn't know was about this Phil Collins song <laughs> that it's one of the best Phil Collins songs ever. <laughs> and do no, it in I the room. I've... Do it in the Romy voice. <laughs> so, um, actually, Phil Collins was uh, not in the original lineup of Genesis. But, I, no, I think Patrick Bateman actually covered it really well. Like, his assessment of Invisible Touch, unfortunately, is, like, kind of right on. That's one of my favorite albums of all time, and I think he just kind of nails it. Not a huge fan of Susudio, though. Like, if that's not my favorite Phil Collins. Mm. I like I always like the uh, Land of Confusion video where it's like the the puppets. I've never Have seen the video. No, I haven't uh-uh. seen it. Oh, it's awesome. It's like Ronald Reagan. So this is like Reagan era, right? So it's yeah. uh Ronald Reagan and it's <laughs> I can just remember there's like one scene that he's like dressed up like Rambo like running through like in the forest and it's just all these various scenes. I I have to go back and watch it now, but I just remember the ending. He like wakes up, you know, it's like a fever dream. And he's just like wakes up from like a pool of water. And he, and he um is like has Nancy next to him and he reaches out to like I think call the nurse and he hits a button and it's like a nuke button. And Whoa. Like a big atom. But yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Check it I out. I see Phil Collins has edge. I, I refuse to hear otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah, so let me see here. What did you? <laughs> there's just uh, some of the weirdest scenes are like the uh, the business card fetish scene. Oh, like I we love go the from like cards. people talking about people lying about 
getting like their dinner reservations and then they're kind of fetishizing over like who has the best business card. <laughs> like Christian Bale starts like sweating over one of them and it's like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> well, yeah, that was one of the great scenes that showed just how nuts he really was because he was like dying over the tiniest little slight and like getting rage filled. And then at the same time in the one scene when they were going to dinner, as he's walking in, he said uh, something like, I was almost in tears by the time we arrived because I thought our table was going to be bad or something like that. And then he was relieved when they had a good table. So he's just like the tiniest little things will will just send him over the edge because he's insane. I also like that. I assumed that the business card scene was shot and they're like, something's missing. And they're like, it's the it's the card holders. They need to sound like it's a sword coming out of the sheath. Like, uh, <laughs> like and uh, like, yep, That's that awesome. Completely makes it the scene. <laughs> did you read that somewhere? Or did you just pick that up yourself? That's awesome. Uh, it just, it that. just popped in my head. I don't know where I get That's these awesome. ideas. Yeah. Like a t-shirt that says loser or, uh, right. you know, things that say, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no, that just, came, I, I didn't read that anywhere. It just came to me. <laughs> it just came to my head. Uh, I thought maybe you watched like a, a YouTube video on that. No, you know, to be honest, like some movies I want to, but I have more fun waiting to see what Casey D- dove into. Yes, Stop. exactly. Stab. Like, like another one of my original ideas was I was thinking, um, what if this is a, a prequel to Batman Begins, but in the idea that maybe his mom just got shot and his dad survived. And so he goes a little bit fucking crazy. He has this nice ass job because his dad's rich and he becomes the Joker. Yes, I was going to say he's Bruce Wayne's twin brother. Boom. Done. Goose Wayne. Goose. <laughs> uh, I kind of love that. I was wondering too, does this, um, so Casey, I have to ask because I know you're not a big horror guy. What, mm-hmm. what draws you to this film? Is it the satire stuff? Cause I think there's a horror movie in here. Oh yeah, it is a horror movie. And, and I, when I was rewatching it, um, there were, there were definitely times where, you know, I got a feeling I was like, ugh. I don't like this. This is this is the this is the feeling I don't like. This is why I don't like watching scary movies. Like it gets when when Gene is looking through his journal and all that and it's getting like progressively worse and she's getting more horrified. Like that that gave me a good gut shot of dread. Like that was a good awful scene. Um and then I do find that the scene with Paul Allen is extremely violent. Like not just obviously he acts him in the head and you don't even see it. Like the violence isn't even on screen, but just mm. the way he plays that scene and how raged Phil as he is. And he just says like, like when he screams out, you know, try getting a reservation at Dorsey or whatever. It's like the most insane, primal, violent thing then coupled with the most stupid, like because of a reservation and I'm jealous of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know that after that, when he sits down to like take a breath, I found I felt myself also like like releasing my clenched shoulders at that point like holy shit like it escalates through the you know he starts playing the music so the the whole scene's getting louder and he's talking really fast and, mm-hmm. and going over his review and then he just yells hey paul and he just acts him in the face and it hits this giant crescendo um so there were definitely yes to answer your original question with a long rambling sprawling answer um there were absolutely some horror things here i think what saves it is the dark comedy like 
the scene when they're doing coke in the bathroom and it's just like clear that the bathroom's just there for people to do drugs and they're yelling at each other like shut the fuck up i'm trying to do coke here like it's just a goofy place where people go and hang out and do like that that was pretty funny um yeah there's a lot of funny things and obviously like when it gets kind of absurd at the end um and you know he's you know feed me a stray cat and all those goofy things like there's enough to it where this isn't just like scary in in the sense of being scary it's kind of it's surreal and it's uh, the way that it's done where you're not really sure any of it is real. Um, you know, some of it could be, some of it couldn't be that I, I just think it's super creative and, and really well done. Mm-hmm. So I think because of how good it is, I'll look past the, uh, the horror aspect. There's a few horror movies I'll do that for um, get out and Jacob's ladder are two that come to mind that I enjoy that are scary movies. Mm. So who like, who was his like first kills that were, that we are sure that he killed. Like, did he uh, kill the mm-hmm. homeless guy was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the next the point, I think that's the point. Not a single one of them. I think in the, I don't know. And, and maybe Jamie can correct me. I think the premise of the book is that not a single one of them could be verifiable or not. And I think that's what the director was not happy with is that she feels like the ending where he says, I had dinner with, with Paul Allen. That was too definitive of a, that one didn't happen. Whereas everything else, there isn't a didn't it or did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's always directly in the middle. And I think that was what she was a little upset about was at the very end that that one, they said, no, 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 he is for sure alive. Um, And and none of the other ones, you don't know. Like, I don't think you can be for sure for any of them. Like the lady on the street where I think it was the next day he's trying to wash like the sheets that are all Mm -hmm. red. And they're like, you don't really come back to that conversation at all. The cranberry juice. Yeah. I think that maybe when... something violent happened, but maybe maybe it was like, you know, he just got too rough with a with a hooker and, you know, then she had to leave and he had to get his stuff cleaned. Mm-hmm. But you don't know. Like, you have no idea what what happened. I had to go to the hospital last time. I can't get in your car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that kind of proves that theory. Like he's definitely violent and he doesn't necessarily kill everybody. So who knows? Right. You're going to be Susan. <laughs> so creepy it's like the the ease and like fearlessness of how he like played that character like when he like matter the, of the fact pa- everything yeah, is a matter just kind of like it's just business you know business as usual it was so like calculated and um yeah i just thought those are kind of added to That's that creep point. factor that was something I wanted to say too, is I, I don't know if I've seen a ton of movies with like the main character being a, a psychopath, like an absolute clinically diagnosable psychopath or like borderline personality disorder, all of it, you know, the whole, whole package, whole kit and caboodle. And I think the way he plays it is so crazy and creepy and perfect. Like even the music scenes when he's talking about how amazing the albums are, it's like, he's just kind of reading a review out of a magazine verbatim. Like there is not, emotion or feeling or nuance it's like he's just reciting something that he thinks he's supposed to say mm, yeah um just the way he plays such a robotic shell of a human is is crazy did you know that the girl in um the one of the last scenes before the chainsaw like on the couch uh that other girl is the screenwriter oh really the movie yeah the oh, one he was awesome. like drugging yeah he was drugging both of them but the one that we only saw the one time yeah well and she mm. straight up says this tastes funny and <laughs> just keeps <Yeah>. drinking it 
Christine, you're not drinking your wine. And I, I swear Christine was watching him do that, too. He, he, he didn't turn his back. He was crushing up pills yeah. and dumping him the wine while looking at her. Yeah. To go back to James, you're like, who was like his first kill yeah. topic as well. I was having moments of like thinking, like, is this movie like in sequential order or is like some of these scenes like happening you know, like in like out of sequence, kind of like. Did anyone get that? I'm probably it's probably not how it was, but I was like getting the vibe that something was a little bit off here. And I was just the way it was cut until I was like, didn't know if these are actually happening. um, In sequence, like out of order or did anyone else get that vibe? I didn't. Nope. No, I didn't. And it, I, it felt very linear. Like it does it to me. It feels like it escalates, right? Yeah. His bloodlust. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, Chad. Escalates the none the, of us felt that thing way. does. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're you're wrong. So okay. so take it back and pretend you didn't say it. Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. No, hold on. Cool. Elaborate. What do you mean? You just think that like, just saw like some it, of like the it, things were cut. I don't know. Like jumped around i because i was starting to get the vibe that like maybe this wasn't happening maybe some of the stuff wasn't happening mm-hmm. i don't know you my mind starts you know, to like to wander and think of like what's the what's the twist here kind of thing i think the 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 editing and the cutting and the way it's paced especially as it's getting towards the end is designed to make that make you feel that way I yeah. think it's you're kind supposed of, to kind of feel un- uneasy and yeah, because that's kind of how he is floating through his existence. I right. think his mental illness is like so. That's the whole point, right? We don't know what's real, what's fantasy. You know where his days and nights end. He's out in the middle of the night, like stabbing people, and but then he still wakes up early to exercise and do all his facial routines before going to the office. Like, uh, who knows how much of any of that is real and fake? Mm-hmm. You know, at all. Well, I was going to say, I mean, let's be honest. When you saw that dude's like white, white, white apartment and his regiment of facial like goo in the morning, like instantly you're like within the first five minutes of the movie, this man is a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> you do like a thousand crunches. We were foreshadowing. He was peeling that mask off. Yes. <laughs> I can do a thousand now. Did anyone else think about uh, Wolf of Wall Street when they were watching this movie? A little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but think of that movie. And I think, obviously, Jordan Belfort is a real person. Um, Patrick Bateman is not. But yeah, I, I couldn't help but think of that movie and just not trusting people who, like, if you think Jordan Belfort's the hero, I don't trust you. Like, you know, Patrick Bateman. Because I don't know if anyone, um, I, I let's just say I talked to people who saw Wolf of Wall Street and were like, yes, that was awesome. Like everything they were doing and saying, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It's like, was it though? I don't know. That kind of seemed like the opposite of what Scorsese was trying to say. I think I pick up the vibe you're laying down with that. But I'm confused. Like, what do you mean? Like, that was awesome. Like, what? I'm. I'm confused what you're trying to say there. Oh, I just mean like I had conversations with people who thought that like the outrageous shit that Jordan Belfort did in his lifestyle was, you know, like like their ideal. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's weird. Right. (laughs) 
Okay. Just Do these people sure that... like to play golf? <laughs> Casey? No comment. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Does anyone else want to chat, talk, topics? Um, I've, I mean, I have a, a, I have a bit. Uh, I did watch a YouTube video. You know me. Okay, so here we I go. Found, um, yes. I, well, if you want to end on it, it's actually kind of about the ending, and I thought it was really fascinating. And so I'm kind of going to rip it off. So maybe I should find the video and just shout it out. Uh, it's from a channel called The Take. Uh, video American Psycho ending explained what really happened and this was just a bit that I thought was clever that they went and found because um, it's a it's actually the the ending the kind of last bit after he confesses to the lawyer um, and I guess I don't know if this is confirmed or if this is just you know someone's interpretation but um, they're saying it's a it's kind of an homage to a French uh, French play from 1944 um, from Jean-Paul Sartre called No Exit um, the premise of the play is that they're three people trapped in a room, which I guess is, is later revealed to be hell. And uh, in this, in the play at the end um, and, and, you know, the end of the play, they, they are allowed to eventually leave the room. But at that point, they're kind of too obsessed with how the other people in the room view them and their thoughts about them that they just don't, they, they stay in the room for eternity because of that. They have the choice to leave and they don't. And so he literally sits down at one point, he's holding a drink in his hand and there's a sign above his shoulder on the door that says, this is not an exit. And that's the name of this play that, that that could be an homage called no exit. Um, it's, and that's kind of what he's kind of saying at the end is like, you know, maybe I did murder all these people. Maybe he didn't, who knows? It, It doesn't matter. I am locked in this existence that I despise. Uh, the only feelings he said earlier in the, in the movie, he said, the only thing he feels are like disgust, um, and and I don't remember the other emotion. He only feels two things: disgust mm-hmm. and something else, but negative. So right, he just lives in this awful existence. He hates everything about it. He even, you know, spouts some pretty positive, like socialist and and uh, social forward, um, um, politically correct things. Right at that one dinner, he's talking about how we have to be better for one another and see people as value, you know, you know, equals and help one another. All that crap. Um, so it could be even said that he he's just part of this and he really actually is maybe a, he, he has good ideals and knows what humanity needs to do, but just sees how awful it is. And, and the consumeristic mm-hmm. lifestyle that he's a part of. So he's part of this same hell, right? He's trapped there. He's allowed to leave. Um, but he's there. He is sitting in that, that same corner with two other people. Uh, was it two, three, either way, very similar to, to the play itself, right? Where the, these three guys all living in this yuppie existence of, you know, this is what we do. We, we go to the bar, we have dinner, we, we have to, you know, make the appearance that we are these successful people. And that's part of our existence is being these successful people that do these things. Like this is a never ending cycle of dinner reservations and, and bar dates and lunch meetings and doing nothing in the office and then going out early and, and just making sure that's the only way to climb the ladder. And so kind of similar to Bateman, right? Living that hell. It's similar to how those in the play that they, they cared so much about what other people thought similar to how kind of Bateman, you know, he says earlier in the car, right? Why don't you quit your job that, you know, Reese asked him, he just says, because I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And to back that up just a little further, Casey, I love that. I really glad you brought it up because you just brain blasted me back to the book. There's a scene in the book where Timothy Bryce played by Justin Theroux in the movie 
they're at that club and there's that no exit sign and it's above like a tunnel or something in the club. And he Bryce at the dinner, like loses it. Like he has a breakdown and just starts running down that tunnel. And I can't remember how the chapter or the scene ends, but I don't know if we see Bryce again in the book after he does that. So I think um, that was a really uh, cool um, reference that you brought up. He got out. Maybe he did. Mm. Yeah, I don't love this movie. Very twisted. I'm glad you let's do what it, yeah, what do people rate it? I guess I, I got I gave your... this a four out of five on my letterbox. Yeah, I do a four out of five. Yeah, yeah for... I think I agree with that. Yeah, same. For me it's yeah, probably four, four and a half. You know, it's been actually a really long time since I'd seen it, so I was glad to have rewatched it and uh and I will say that I'm I think it holds up. I, I'm glad that it holds up. And I think the things that don't feel like they hold up actually cement its place as a period piece, right? Like the misogyny that he he shows towards Jean, right? Telling her what to wear and all that crap. Um, and then at one point, what does he say when he's, uh, he, when he's talking to the detective about Huey Lewis in the news, uh, you know, and he gets all nervous because that's what he was listening to when he killed yeah. Paul Allen. And he's trying to say why he doesn't like it. He says, it's a little too black for me. And, and like, it doesn't really hold up now, but like it kind of does in the nineties. Like that's an exact way to shut down that conversation. So I think that actually kind of cements it in, in how well it lives in that era. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, it, you know what I mean? And like, that's how it was. It's not like it was a joke at the expense of someone that doesn't hold up now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, that's pretty damn accurate given yeah. what we know, looking back in history and in hindsight. Oh yeah. Right. So I'm glad everyone liked it. I guess that's what I mean to say by that. Because yeah, I do. I, loved it. I, I was, remember uh, enjoying it a lot, and and I'm glad I got to rewatch it. Yeah, it's it's age well too for being what 21 plus years old. So mm-hmm. um, the only thing is like, I, you know, Christian Bale looks so young. <laughs> in well, it, I gotta but say, it's, it's shot really well too. Like yeah, visually, yeah. some of the just the, yeah. the ways that the tanning bed shot with like going up his body and they show him at such an awkward angle, and it's and I didn't actually realize it until this time I saw it. He looks so absurd. Well, it's because he's jerking his head back as far as he can to make sure his tans even. Like, so what an an un- awkward, uncomfortable position just to mm. to make an image. Like, it's such a perfect snapshot of his like of who he is and who he's trying to be. So, just little subtle. It's just it's even subtle things in the way it's shot kind of illustrate and back up the, the main story. So it's fantastic. All right. Awesome. Before we go, I just want to go around the virtual table and just have everyone share one thing they want to plug that they want to like, or that they like that they want to share. Um, anything that's entertainment related games, TVs, movies, etc. Well, if you haven't got jumped on the app Tubby or Tubi yet, uh, they got Under Siege 2, and uh, I finished half a Universal Soldier, but I watched all of Double Impact. So if you want some great 80s and 90s action films, that's your bread and butter right there. Double Impact? Is that Jean-Claude Van Damme? Oh, twice the Van Damme. <laughs> it's it's good. Van Damme it? <laughs> You know Damn me, it. I got to plug YouTube. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, I think I've mentioned this channel before, but this the newest video, which I think even came out maybe a month ago, so I'm kind of late to the game. Um, it's the channel is called Kurz Kurzgegat. I think it's oh, a German yes. word. Um, but the yeah, Kurzgesagt. The newest one is about uh, the immune system, and it's just so darn well done. And it's especially in a time of you know COVID and all this, you know our health and diseases and how immunity works is kind of in the forefront of our minds. So it was actually really obviously done because of all that, but a really well done way to kind of explain how all that works. So I'm going to plug that channel again. Yeah. They did a really cool one too on like climate change and like what you can do. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's, yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, and you know, one more shout out since we're talking YouTube, uh, I've mentioned it before. Uh, he had an old channel called All Gas No Breaks. He's now Channel Five. It's the kind of guerrilla journalist dude that just kind of goes and and does interviews. He has a couple new ones out. Um, it's on YouTube now. He's Channel Five is the name of his new channel. Um, but he went to the most recent one. He goes to this like rap festival in <laughs> Utah. Utah. That's yeah, good. Yeah. It's super. It's it's really that was a really good Fuck one. Mormons. Super kind of <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It's just he's so good at what he does, and I think he's getting goofier with the editing, and he's bringing on other correspondents. Um, they did one. Uh, they went to like a Uhuru kind of a racist. Yeah, the Uhuru one where they sent that other dude. Uh, it's just it's fantastic. So the way people for appreciate preparations yeah, yeah 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 that one was fantastic so go uh yeah I, go watch channel five give them some views jamie what do you got survivor surviving show there's a new season of survivor coming on netflix i'm overjoyed but no i'm gonna be pretty self-serving here there's a if you're a sports fan particularly in the uh, midwest or the mountain state of colorado um so think minnesota and colorado here there's a great podcast called the midwest mountain sports report where you will find hot and lukewarm takes from yours truly and Chad, and just extend that invitation to James and Casey. You're always welcome whenever you want to oh, come I'll on. Oh, I'll be there. I'll be yes. there. Yes, whenever. Shoot the shit about sports. So, yes, Midwest Mountain Sports Report. Yeah, and it's not whenever. It's usually <laughs> 6 o'clock on Tuesday morning. <laughs> I think, yeah, one of my, <laughs> I think one of my favorite things is like uh, when you guys start talking about it in our thread about like sports of something that happened over the weekend, like even whatever you guys were talking about from Sunday's games, I copied it and pasted it in a different thread of friends. And like one of my buddies was like, James, love your take. <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, come on. I'm like, all of you have to know that I am. No idea what's going on. And so I awesome. I hope he was joking, but I didn't take it like that. So, so keep him coming, coming oh, guys. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, I don't want to, I don't have anything to plug. Something that I'm excited for is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, the trailer that just dropped this last week. And uh, James just ripped the bandaid off and uh, posted that in the chat. So I'm sorry that I ruined that for Jamie. I mean, the Mandalorian's been out for God knows how long. Know, but but you know, the funny thing is, is that's not even the most spoilish part of season two. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. No, I thought it was funny. Like, and then like Jamie's response, I think was Jamie's response was priceless. Like, wait a minute, how did Boba Fett get out of the digestive system of the Sarlacc after a thousand years? Right. Like, I was just like, oh my god, was, I was dying. The people demand answers. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's in it's in Tales from Jabba's wait, Palace. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Boba Fett falls into a sarlacc. <laughs> when his sorry, <laughs> I wanted to even go further back. <laughs> he, he's like, I'm only on Clone Wars. 
<laughs> you guys, I just found out who Luke was. I just watched the first one. That's all. Just stop spoiling this. Oh, geez. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Time Machine. Remember, new episodes drop on Fridays. You can follow us on Twitter. Or how about this? You can message and follow us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. See you. Thank you.